Good morning and a spectacular Sunday to each of you. Welcome to a special Sunday edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It's been a whirlwind week for both the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant. Why it certainly ended on a negative note on Friday. It's a better, it's the best case scenario in terms of what happened. The latest on Jaw, his injury and the fallout, and how it may start to impact the Grizzlies tonight as they welcome the Sacramento Kings to the FedEx Forum. That and much more on this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Let's get it going. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome once again to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. As always, your host here at Locked On Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Grizz. You can find the podcast free on all platforms, wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Make sure you listen, review, and subscribe. Also, right here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button below. Let's us know you enjoy the show. Let's others be able to find the show. It just makes the show experience best for everybody involved. Again, my name is Sean Coleman. I'm a credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. Have been covering the Grizzlies for over four years. Right for them over at Grizzly Bear Blues. And again, your host here at Locked on Grizzlies. So what a heck of a week it's been for the Memphis Grizzlies. And I wish that I could say that in a positive light. But I mean more about the fact that it's been a complete vicious circle of just, you know, both fortunate and unfortunate outcomes. It started off in a great way, right? It started off in a spectacular way with the Grizzlies getting a big victory over the Utah Jazz, an unexpected victory that where they were led by um, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the court where they had had their playoff series. It seemed like perhaps it could be the start of something good, and it certainly looked that way in the first half against the Raptors as well. But literally the first half of the week for the Grizzlies, it really couldn't have gone better. You also had the absolutely wonderful production from John Morant, the Says Who campaign commercial from Nike. I mentioned on uh, Friday's episode, I would give my thoughts on it. It was a lot of fun to see. In my opinion, that commercial, what really stood out about it was that John Morant could have gone a variety of different ways for his first national campaign to promote himself, his family, whomever, uh, his success, whatever it may have been. But he, but he instead went with the idea of both promoting his home, where he's from in South Carolina, obviously, you know, with the um, with with Asia Wilson of, of the Las Vegas Aces, who played at the University of South Carolina, being involved in the commercial as well. But also, when it comes to John Morant, he decided to go with his connection with Memphis as the way to promote himself the Grizzlies, and the city of Memphis. And so what really stood out to me is while, yes, John Morant, it's very important to him to know where he's from, to know he's from South Carolina, to know obviously how much he supports Murray State, but it also clearly appears that he knows where he belongs and he's proud of where he belongs, and that's in Memphis, and that he truly feels his connection with both the Grizzlies franchise and the city of Memphis has a very bright future. So that was absolutely outstanding to see. So all this positivity leading into Thanksgiving, and then unfortunately, things kind of get off the rails a little bit. A very disappointing second half against the Raptors. And then Friday night, where many of us had hoped that storylines would be about the latest chapter of John Morant and 
uh, Trey Young playing against each other. Unfortunately, it did not work out that way. Early in the game on Friday night, of course, as many know now, John Morant came up limp. He he was play he was making a play on the basketball. He really wasn't engaged in an offensive play or a basketball play. He had the basketball in his hands, came down near an Atlanta Hawks player, and then came up limp. He could not put any pressure on his left knee. Of course, play stopped. John Morant had to be held held off helped off the court, and that's when the city of Memphis's collective breath started being held. The good news was that John Morant came back onto the court during the game, was noticeably limping, was without crutches, but sat on the bench as the team played. And then, of course, once the game was over, the Grizzlies lost 132-100, another very disappointing weekend loss. The Grizzlies could not hit shots, could not get stops. There's really nothing of significance to talk about. The Grizzlies just suffered another blowout loss, as, as has been the theme this year. But the big storyline was that after the game, for about 60 to 90 minutes, the hope was was that something would be known that night. Something would be known on Friday night. And finally, it came out probably at about 60 to 75 minutes after the game that the initial reports had been that John Morant had suffered a knee sprain. While certainly less than ideal, it's likely a best-case scenario for the wide variety of potential ailments that could hurt a player's knee. So that certainly in and of itself was good news to, to hear. But of course, in general, any injury that occurs to John Morant is certainly less than ideal. That is the latest that we know in terms of actual injury reports on Saturday. Yesterday, John Morant was seen on crutches, obviously, at the Memphis Grizzlies practice. Um, he likely will be on crutches for a bit of time. It's not known at the moment the outlook of what John Morant's recovery time will be. That is one thing that you know is understood. And it may be a bit of time before it truly is known. You know, when it comes to knee sprains, you can see players return two to four uh to six weeks in the future at times. And that's not me trying to speculate. I'm just simply going off what the return times for NBA players previously have been when it comes to knee sprains. But the thing that I'll say is this I know that it's been 11 months nearly to the day. As a matter of fact 11 months ago today, John Morant suffered a similar type of injury situation. Back on December 28th of 2020, the third game of the 2020-2021 season, John Morant came down on a new uh, on a Brooklyn Nets player. He hurt his ankle, hobbled off the court, had to be wheelchaired off the court. It certainly looked like a very, very bad situation for Morant and the Grizzlies. Thankfully, it was only an ankle sprain, and Morant was out for three weeks. Morant actually came back much quicker than many had anticipated because obviously his competitive nature, he was ready to get back on the court. I do feel though that that scenario playing out again may be a bit less likely this time because instead of the ankle, it is a knee sprain. And per and I know I'm not a doctor, but you could but you know just logic would suggest that for a player of Morant's playing style and player profile, Knee health is of the utmost importance, and there's a wider variety of potentially serious injuries that could occur to a knee that's less than 100% than likely could occur to an ankle. And so for that reason, and we know that the Grizzlies have already set a precedent of being very cautious when it comes to knee injuries with how long Jaron Jackson Jr. was held out last year, I would anticipate that even if it may seem like John Morant is ready to go, we could see him be out for an extended period of time. Again, not going to put a time frame on it myself. 
I just do think there's going to be more caution when it comes to Morant with this knee injury than there would be with an ankle sprain. However, it's now known, obviously, that John Moran is going to be unavailable for the Grizzlies to be able to, to, to lead the Grizzlies into battle over the next however long he'll be out. At least for the foreseeable future, John Morant's not going to be on the court for the Grizzlies. Just like I mentioned 11 months ago, John Morant was in a similar position with an ankle sprain. The Grizzlies are certainly in a position where they're going to have to find enough offense to support a lackluster defense to try to win games. But thankfully, because of what occurred 11 months ago, they have a bit of precedent of how they were able to find success. We'll discuss that in just a moment. Listen, if you bet on the Grizzlies this year, I can tell you this, I'm pretty sure you have had whirlwind experiences when it comes to unexpected victories for the Grizzlies and also blowout losses. But if you enjoy wagering and betting in general, there's no better place to go than betonline.ag. With the new and improved website, betonline.ag is the number one source to use when it comes to wagering and betting on sports. If you go to the mobile app or if you go on your computer and you put in the promo code locked on, you'll give a 50% welcome bonus based off whatever deposit that you make. And of course, if you go to BetOnline now, you can bet on football, basketball, the NHL, college football, or college basketball, whatever sport you want to enjoy betting and wagering on, BetOnline is the best place for you to go. Make sure to check out BetOnline.ag today. So obviously the Grizzlies now are going to be without John Moran. And, and it cannot be stated enough. It cannot be overstated how important John Morant's impact on this Grizzlies team is. This season so far, John Morant, when he is off the court, the Grizzlies per 100 possessions, they score 12.3 less points per 100 possessions than their opponents with John Morant off the court. Now, you would think that with jaw on versus jaw off, Obviously, the offense would suffer a big decline, and it does. With John Morant on the court, the Grizzlies score 112.3 points per per 100 possessions. With him off the court, they score 103.5, a significant, significant drop-off. You would also think, though, that perhaps the Grizzlies' defense gets significantly better. It doesn't. It only gets slightly better. The end result of John Morant not being available for the Grizzlies now is you're taking a team with John Morant that is a league average offense and unfortunately has been one of, if not the worst defenses in the league. You're now taking that, that John Morant out of the equation. And what you're likely running into is a team that is both below average offensively and also below average defensively. That's the frustration here with John Morant being injured is that, yeah, you may think that the Grizzlies defense would get significantly better and there's likely going to be a good chance that it will. It's no slight towards John Morant, but it's also just the truth. John Morant right now is a liability a lot of times on defense. So with him not on the court, the Grizzlies may have a better chance to play consistent defense, especially when it comes to point of attack opportunities up at the top of the key, so on and so forth. But the problem is, is that no matter what you think of John Morant's defense, it's clear that his offensive contributions, the impact that he makes offensively, especially with his ability to stay consistent and creating in the paint, it's not going to be able to be replicated by the Grizzlies. It's just not. That's how good of a player John Morant is. But 11 months ago, the Grizzlies ran into this same issue when John Morant went down with his ankle sprain. And the way that Memphis was able to find success was by playing very good defense, 
by being able to be opportunistic and create turnovers, and through that, get out on the run and score points, turning defense into offense. Now, back then, it did help a little bit that the Grizzlies had the inside presence of Jonas Valanciunas as well as the outside shooting of um, uh, Grayson Allen. This time around, though, they have a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. at their disposal as well as an improved Desmond Bain. But for me, a couple of players who really stand out, whose importance really stands out, is actually the front court mates of Jaron Jackson Jr., and that is Steven Adams and Kyle Anderson. For Steven Adams, I know obviously that his play so far this year has certainly been less than ideal. I understand also that now may be a time to perhaps give him a little bit less minutes and put Xavier Tillman or others out there. I do feel above all else, before I get further into Steven Adams' role, I do feel above all else, one thing that really stands out is that the Grizzlies know how things were working with John Morant. Without him, they know that their defense has struggled. They know their offense is going to struggle. So you've already got low expectations on both ends of the court without John Morant. Why not experiment with stuff? Get creative. Play younger players. I, You're not tanking in my opinion, if you do that. But you're already with low expectations. Why not try different things to get improved results? That, for me, is a reason why. You may want to give longer stretches of minutes to an Xavier Tillman or a Zaire Williams, but we'll come back to that in just a second. When I mentioned Stephen Adams, the reason why I say that is one big thing that the Grizzlies are going to have to do when it comes to Stephen Adams being on the court. They are going to have to take full advantage of his rebounding impact, limiting the second chance opportunities for the opposition by him getting defensive rebounds, but Steven Adams must do a better job of converting his offensive rebounds into points. There's far too many situations where Steven Adams gets the ball in a high percentage spot on the court due to an offensive rebound, but his shot either gets blocked, he passes out of it, he gets to the free throw line, doesn't convert. Steven Adams converting his uh, offensive rebounds into second-chance points is going to be a huge, huge development for the Grizzlies for them to do it. I know we haven't seen it so far, but if he can do that part of things, convert his second chance or convert his offensive rebounds into second-chance points, that could be a huge step up for the Grizzlies. But of course, there's also Kyle Anderson. Last year, when Dylan Brooks really started to show his defensive abilities, his defensive impact, it was when John Morant was unavailable and he had to lead the defense. But Kyle Anderson was also a big, big reason why the Grizzlies were able to remain successful. Kyle Anderson was the, arguably the Grizzlies' best player on the court last year in the absence of John Morant and others as the Grizzlies were dealing with a lot of injuries, with COVID and things such as that. Kyle Anderson's scoring prowess went up. His impact on defense went up as well. The Grizzlies very much need for Kyle Anderson to step up. Kyle Anderson could be someone who steps into a starting role, but even if he does not do that, him coming off the bench and his facilitation, his rebounding, his shooting overall, the Grizzlies need for the Kyle Anderson that played to the level that he did in the first half last year, they need that level of Kyle Anderson to return. He was a big difference maker for the Grizzlies last year. He certainly could be that again this year if he can retain that type of level of play. But overall, it comes back to the Grizzlies getting creative and also being opportunistic. When John Morant was out, 
of the first half of January, or you know, last season, but you know, basically in this calendar year. The Grizzlies had one of their best defensive months under Taylor Jenkins because they led the league in turnovers forced per game. With DeAnthony Melton and Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson and, and Jared Jackson Jr. now all going to see their responsibilities go up, their impact, their importance go up. All four of those players, if they can be in tune on defense, if they can be focused and they can be productive on defense, the Grizzlies have the potential to once again do exactly that, to be opportunistic on defense and create turnovers, get out on the run, and convert defense into offense. It's going to be critical for the Grizzlies to do that once again for them to be able to get some type of secondary offense going to support what likely is going to be a struggling half-court offense. Tyus Jones is likely going to step up into the starting point guard position, and that is something that at least should keep things a, a little bit of structured when it comes to the starting lineup. But when I say that the Grizzlies, despite them turning defense into offense and being opportunistic on defense, when I say that they're going to have to get creative, there are going to be moments where Tyus Jones is not on the court. So far, when the Grizzlies have not had John Morant or Tyus Jones on the court this season, the results have been absolutely horrific. Like, I'm not even going to tell you the numbers, number one, because it's too small of a sample size, but number two, because it's not suitable for children. It's that bad. The Grizzlies have been that bad without Tyus Jones or um, John Morant on the court running possessions. And we're not even talking about possessions that they're not on the court because the Grizzlies are getting blown out at the end of games. I'm talking about when games are still at least within reasonable reach with both players off the court. There's a reason why there has not been many plays at all. I think there's been 20 non-garbage time possessions so far this year where John Morant nor Tyus Jones were on the court. That's how important their roles are to this Grizzlies team. But of course, with Tyus Jones going to the starting lineup, and we'll see how Taylor Jenkins rolls out his starting lineup starting tonight. The other thing that stands out is what about the bench production? Can the bench remain a big benefit? Because they're going to have to. Without John Morant, the Grizzlies starting lineup, their production is likely going to decrease. But can, you know, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, and others remain productive even without Tyus Jones? That's going to be a huge thing to watch as well. So that's why I say, in my opinion, why not get creative? Again, without John Moran in the lineup, I'm not saying the Grizzlies are going to tank. I'm not saying they're not going to be competitive. But you've already got the league's worst defense. You know that your offense is going to take a step down. Why not get creative to see what, what options are there, even if it includes not having Tyus Jones on the court? For me, if you want to get crazy, try out a lineup of Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Jaron Jackson Jr. If you want to take Kyle Anderson out, put in Brandon Clark and see what you've got. Take Tyus Jones off the court, put the playmaking responsibility into other players' hands and see what can happen. The reps could help them improve. And then if you can find success doing that, now imagine what happens when John Morant comes back. The, I'm not saying that the this is, basically, I'm not saying it's a benefit to the Grizzlies that they've lost John Morant. But there is an opportunity for the Grizzlies to make the most of this unfortunate situation by getting reps for players in uncertain or, or you know, um, 
basically putting players in situations where they've not had a lot of experience. Desmond Bain being a playmaker. Kyle Anderson being someone who facilitates the half-court offense. You know, Zaire Williams in an expanded role. Perhaps getting Xavier Tillman back into the rotation. Putting, Allowing for younger players to be put in situations either either in expanded roles or expanded responsibilities, that could be something that results from John Morant being out. And it could benefit the Grizzlies because if their expectations are low to begin with, why not see if you can sit here and find some good value, find some good results from your young players being in either uncertain roles or expanded roles that they've not been in before. Again, I'm not suggesting the Grizzlies tank. The Grizzlies are not in a position to tank. They are in a position to where they need to continue to do all that they can to get into the play-in portion, at least, of the playoffs. And they have the ability to be able to at least be somewhat competitive if Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and others can step up on offense while the Grizzlies' defense can get back at least to somewhat looking like it did at points last year. A lot of this is going to be tough ass. A lot of this is going to be tough tasks to undertake for this Grizzlies roster. But there's no other choice. Without John Morant, everybody on this roster has to step up. The defense has no choice but to get better if the Grizzlies want to win basketball games while the offense must find some sort of consistency. The more the defense can lead to easy opportunities for the offense, just like it did when John Morant was out 11 months ago, that's what's going to be a big key for the Grizzlies to remain competitive. And they need to find that ability soon because tonight, a new and rejuvenated version of the Sacramento Kings are coming to the FedEx Forum led by Alvin Gentry. We'll look at that matchup in just a moment. But listen, with so many options that the Grizzlies are now going to have to rely on even more with John Morant out, it kind of reminds me of how your day may be if you have to rely on many potential options to fill your daily diet. Well, one go-to option could be Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's very healthy. It gives you an energy boost, and it's a great tasting snack to add to your day. Have it in the morning for breakfast. Have it in the afternoon as a snack. If you go to Built.com right now, you can choose from over 18 different flavors to enjoy from. That's over 18 different flavors, and you can also put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, go to Built.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. On tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we'll obviously review the game against the Sacramento Kings, and then we'll get further into what life will be like without John Morant. Where especially will the Grizzlies need to outproduce what they've done so far in order to find success? That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So obviously the Sacramento Kings are arriving at the FedEx Forum tonight and that and what we had hoped would be a weekend of fun matchups with Jaw versus Trey Young and then Jaw versus De'Aaron Fox. It now is a situation where the Grizzlies certainly have a tough first task to undertake in the first game that they're going to be playing without John Morant. Now, of course, the Kings have certainly been a source of headlines over the past few weeks as former head coach Luke Walton was fired and longtime NBA coach Alvin Gentry took over the team. 
Well, in three games with Alvin, Alvin Gentry at the helm, especially their last two, this this Kings team seems rejuvenated, especially De'Aaron Fox. 55 combined points for De'Aaron Fox over his past two games. Two wins in a row for the, for the Kings, including a thrilling two-overtime victory against the Los Angeles Lakers the last time that they played. And the even more impressive thing is that the Kings have done this without big-time relevant contributors and Harrison Barnes and Rakan Holmes out due to illness and injury. Both Holmes and Barnes are not likely to play tonight, so that is at least a boost to the Grizzlies. Nothing negative towards Holmes and Barnes. Certainly hope they get better soon, but it does at least make it to where the Grizzlies are not going to face this Kings team at full strength. But this Kings team is certainly improved on offense, especially when it comes to De'Aaron Fox. But another big, big thing that has helped out this Kings team over the past few games is their bench, led by Buddy Heald. An absolutely spectacular scoring production over the past two games when it comes to the Kings bench. And that, for me, is where we start with what the Grizzlies must do in order to win this game. They're going to have to find consistent bench production without their floor general, Tyus Jones, being on the court a lot of times now with the second unit. If it's if it's DeAnthony Melton and um, a Brandon Clark or, or Kyle Anderson and Brandon Clark, what have you, those players are going to have to fi find ways to be successful on their own. They're going to have to find ways to create on their own more often to be successful. And overall, the Grizzlies bench is going to have to find ways to be successful. A great way would be for Zaire Williams, who probably is going to get more minutes now with y'all out. If Zaire Williams can find success shooting from three like we saw towards the first of this year, if he could regain a consistent stroke shooting the three, that could be a big boost to the Grizzlies bench. But the Grizzlies bench is going to have to find a way to be successful tonight with how well the Kings reserves are scoring since Alvin Gentry took over the since Alvin Gentry took over the took over the reins of the team. But another area where both teams are going to have to find success is shooting the three. The Grizzlies right now are slightly better, just slightly, than the Kings when it comes to shooting the three. But both teams are below average compared to the rest of the league. If the Grizzlies are able to move the basketball, and that's going to be another key thing, is making sure that they make good, crisp, quick passes, the Grizzlies should be able to find the opportunity to square up for high percentage looks from three, especially working off what the Grizzlies can do in the paint, because that's the other key area. Before I go more into detail on the threes, the thing I will say is, is that one area where the Grizzlies should have a bit of success being able to get stuff done is in the paint and on second chance points. The Sacramento Kings allow the highest amount of second chance points and points in the paints to opponents this year. However, they have been starting Alex Lynn and Chimizi Mitu in their starting lineups to give them two bigs to really try to prevent teams' ability to get to the rim and produce in the paint. Even without John ja Morant, who certainly is a big loss when it comes to the Grizzlies' ability to produce in the paint, with the improved ability to get to the basket of Jaron Jackson Jr., 
Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks that we've seen so far this year, the Grizzlies should at least have avenues to be able to get to the paint. If they can make the right passes, if they can make good passes, if they can display good ball movement on offense, the Grizzlies can find the right matchups to exploit. And if they can get into the lane, they should be able to find high percentage looks. And if those looks are missed, Steven Adams and others can be there to clean up the rebounds for second chance points. If the Grizzlies can find success in the paint and on second chance points, that then could be a way for them to open up the outside and then make good passes to shoot the three. So if the Grizzlies can find success in the paint and the um, uh, Sacramento Kings are one of the teams who is most, you know, they give up a lot more opportunities in the paint than a lot of other teams around the league. If the Grizzlies can find some sort of presence in the paint, they can work off that to find opportunities around the three-point line. But the other big thing is this, though, is that, you know, we talk about the Grizzlies bench is going to have to find a way to be productive. The Grizzlies' ability in the paint hopefully will open up threes. And if the Grizzlies can create an advantage from three, that certainly could be a big thing for them to do. But the Grizzlies are also going to have to be disciplined. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks both have shown an improved ability when it comes to not fouling as much this year. That's going to become even more critical starting tonight. Obviously, with Jaw out. You need your second and third best player to be on the court for as long as possible. Them getting in foul trouble and either one of them being out for long stretches of the game is just absolutely going to be a big negative for the Grizzlies' chances to win. But it especially is going to be a negative tonight as the Sacramento Kings are second in the league when it comes to getting to the line in the NBA. If the Grizzlies are hoping to find an advantage perhaps on the run, in the paint, or from three, a way for them to limit the advantages is they if they allow the Sacramento Kings to get to the line frequently. So the Grizzlies are going to have to remain disciplined, even though they're going to need to remain opportunistic and try to create turnovers via you know steals and deflections and blocks and so on. They're also going to have to avoid fouling. So the Grizzlies are going to have to find some way to be productive from their bench. They're going to need to find a way to be able to produce in the paint against a team that is more susceptible to that than other NBA teams and hopefully find advantages from three. But a big key for the Grizzlies is being disciplined on defense. Yes, be opportunistic. Try to force turnovers. Try to make defense turn into offense, but don't do it to the to the expense of giving up fouls because if the Grizzlies give up too many fouls in this game, it's going to make it even harder for them to overcome a big contribution to the Sacramento Kings score from the foul line because things are already going to be harder in general for the Grizzlies when it comes to finding consistent offense. The Grizzlies certainly can get the job done tonight. They're going to have to have one or two players step up and really deliver, and now would be a perfect time for Jared Jackson Jr. to really step up, take the reins of this team, and show that he clearly is the best talent. I'm not saying it's going to happen every game, but this certainly would be a good starting point for Jaron to find a way to score in the 20s, play good defense, really establish himself as one of, if not the best players on the court, and be a big reason why the Grizzlies could get a victory, even though it may be a tough task without John Morant. But that's how life's going to be. John Morant's going to be out for the foreseeable future. What can the Grizzlies do, and how can this Grizzlies roster step up to overcome his absence? Thankfully, they've had plenty of examples of how they can do that so far this calendar year. 
They simply need to step up and do it once again. Thank you so much for joining this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Don't forget you can find the show at Locked On Grizz on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC, the podcast wherever it's available on all platforms for free, and obviously right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below. Enjoy the game tonight. Go Grizzlies. And we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.